Hello and welcome to episode 102 of the Conversations with Ross podcast. I'm Ross Carey. Thanks for listening. Thrilled to be joined right now by Rebecca Cutter. Rebecca is a writer on The Mentalist and is also the writer-director of the film Besties, which you can catch starting January 21st on Amazon and other places. Rebecca, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. Hi, Ross. Thanks for having me. Well, Rebecca, let's start at the beginning. Tell me what initially attracted you to writing and to filmmaking in the first place. Let's see. I was... I was kind of a ne'er-do-well in college, um, and I didn't do very much work, but I uh, took some creative writing classes, and that was always something I liked doing. And then after college, I and I was also very into photography, um, and then after college, when I was waiting tables and didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, I kind of figured, like, writing and photography, like, add them together, and that was kind of, and that was filmmaking. That was, that was as clever as I could be at that time, um, but I applied to film school, and I got in and started writing screenplays and making movies and had a short that went to Sundance and it's been kind of a long journey. Do you come from a theatrical or a a creative family? What did your parents do for a living when you were growing up? My parents, I came from Cambridge, Massachusetts. My parents were both, um, you're from Boston, right? I am, yes. Yeah. Uh, So my parents were both, my mother was a social worker and my dad was a, um, like a research psychologist. He worked at uh, the Veterans Hospital in Brockton. So they were, um, they were like service people. But they, you know, my mother was a therapist. She saw clients in our house. So I used to eavesdrop on her talking to her patients, basically. And so I think the idea of like stories, understanding people, you know, they weren't artists, but I think that plays into what I try and do in my writing, you know, understanding like people's truths. For so many young writers who are, are trying to break in, they're faced with that cycle of um, no one wants to read unsolicited material, agents don't want to read unsolicited mm-hmm. scripts, producers don't want to read them, studios don't want to read them. How do you, as a writer with scripts, eventually make your scripts become solicited? What was that step for you? Well, for me, it worked out that well, you know I went to film school and then I had the short that went to Sundance and then that got me some attention. So um, agents came to me and then you know, then they started kind of guiding me into what my, you know, my first agent guided me into what I should write and which ultimately became besties. It is really hard and I don't really have advice on how to break in other than if you write something really like people need good scripts. So if you continue to get better and have something really special, it will get the attention it deserves. Was your short that went to Sundance essentially the spec that got you into got you the gig on The Mentalist? No, actually, that didn't, I think it was ultimately what got me to do besties, but no, I actually started as an assistant on The Mentalist, um, which is probably the fast, you know, the easier way to get into television. It's it's not even easy to get that kind of job, but it's kind of the only way to get into television. You start as an assistant, and I was the assistant to the showrunner, Bruno Heller, and then eventually he let me do a freelance, which is, you know, somebody that's not in the guild yet gets to do an episode, not on staff. So I did a freelance three years ago, and then it went really well, so he staffed me the year after. Now, did you start as an assistant from the beginning, or were you already sort of joining a show that was already established and successful? No, I was from the beginning. I came on before, as, you know, they were starting to shoot the pilot. So tell me about your first time in the writer's room now as a staff writer. I guess the first time I had to go in was when I was pitching the freelance. But, you know, it was, it, honestly, I can, oh, I, I think I'm like incredibly lucky and blessed to be on this show because I had already worked with everyone for three years. And so it was like I was friends with all the writers and they wanted me to succeed. So there wasn't any sort of big, it wasn't like coming in cold to a room that I don't know. So it wasn't really a very painful or nerve wracking process. Um, How many writers are in the room? Ten writers, including Bruno. And is it a collaborative process for each episode? Is it uh, an idea pitched, everyone sort of breaks the show, and then 
a writer or a writing team goes off and writes it? How does that process work from actually in the room to the script being produced? On our show, it's not particularly collaborative. Um, some shows, they're in the room all day and they do work together. Our show, just I don't know why, but for some reason, the DNA of our show has been that we all, you know, the writer comes up with their own idea. They sort of, shape, you know, they shape it on their own. Then they pitch it to an upper level, you know, like the, usually the number two executive producer. Um, and he kind of helps shape it a little bit, and then you pitch it to Bruno, and he says the air nay, and then you kind of are on your, but you're kind of on your own to break it. And we'll, a lot of us lower ones will like, you know, we'll get a small room together. Like I'll go ask my two friends who are who I feel comfortable, and I'll say I don't know what this scene needs to be, or what should this trick be, and we'll kind of work on small things together. But you know, most of it I'll do on my own. The Mentalist is a show. It's had a, a long theme running throughout the whole thing of like the Red John murderers. But mm-hmm. for the most part, when it's not dealing with that with that scene, each individual episode is contained within itself. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like you can the show can get away with not being as collaborative because? Each episode is essentially contained. Exactly, yeah. If it's a more serialized show like Breaking Bad, like obviously every episode hinges on what happened in the episode before. So, yes, exactly. Because these are all self-contained, there is less need to be in the room and really hash out. We don't. We ha- we'll have a general idea for the whole season and arc, but it's really you know many episodes within that aren't going to be part of the arc. They're going to just be doing their own thing. Do you get those ideas from Bruno, the show creator, at the beginning of the season? Does he sort of say, okay, at the beginning we need to establish this, you know, around episode 10 to 12 we need to establish this and we're going to end like this, but sort of everything in between is almost on the fly? Yeah, and we we did spend a lot of time in the room this year because this year we um, we ended the Red John. Um, you know, we ended up, we, uh, sort of the original idea had always been to wait till the season, you know, the end of the show to reveal who Red John was, but we decided to move it up, so that happened in episode I guess eight of this season. So there was a lot of talk of how to, and so those first eight were very serialized. And so there was more talk, I guess, but now we're kind of back to the standalone murder of the week paradigm. And now it's sort of back to how we've always been of a little more independent work. What kind of notes do you get from the network? Do you have to deal with that at all? Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, everything we do, you know, the process is like, you know, you do like a one page story document, then you do an outline, maybe seven or eight pages, and then you do the script and it, Every stage you get, first you get studio notes from Warner Brothers, and then after you've done those, you get the network notes. Um, And they, you know, because the show's been successful and was successful early on, the note process has been pretty mellow. Like, I've heard horror stories about other shows where the network is throwing out scripts the day before it's supposed to shoot. I mean, but in this case, because the show always pretty much worked and was a big hit its first season, I think they left us alone more or less. So the notes have been mellow, you know, it's like clarify this or what does this mean? Or I don't, I don't like this one element, but there really hasn't been any dramatic, like throw this out and start over type thing. Tell me about your feature besties. Tell me about the project and how it all came together. Well, so I was, I developed it with my agent at the time and it was an idea we both sort of had. And I, I love teen movies. I love dark teen movies. Um, I had this really core idea about, the idea about a girl having sort of a girl crush on an older girl, like not necessarily like a lesbian story, but this idea that I remember having when I was an adolescent of like really looking up to these older girls and really they're just the coolest thing ever. So that was sort of the baseline about what the movie was about. And then I, you know, then this whole murder plot gets into it because I love, I love a good murder plot. So then the script, it took many years to write and get to a place 
where it was ready. But um, when it was, we got you know an investor, and it was made on the cheap. I will say, very very small. Um, most people worked for free. We did it in 18 days um, in and around LA. We shot in my house, um, so it was very DIY and you know very not at all. I guess you know any sort of studio model. It was truly the, like the meaning of independent. It was very small, but it, it came out you know came out well. We're happy with it, um, and now it's coming out. How long was the process from finishing the first draft to? shooting it? I, embarrassingly, I think it's embarrassingly long, but maybe it's normal. I think I started, I remember starting April 1st, 2006 was page one, and we started shooting in December of 2010. Okay, that's not too bad. I've had no, it's not like one of these 20-year sagas. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's very much independent. How do you go through the process of actually raising the money? Actually, my agent at that time had an investor and, you know, did all that. I don't even, I didn't, I did a little Kickstarter thing for, I raised like $5,000 on Kickstarter, which was just to cover one line item, but it wasn't, yeah, it was mostly funded by one person. Now, what part of writing a script do you find most challenging? You know, really breaking the plot down and outlining. I'm very impulsive. I don't like to plan it all out. I like to just, I get excited about an idea and I dive in and then afterwards I'm kicking myself because I have to do so much rewriting that I'm you know, and right, just diving in is how you want to kill yourself around page 50. At the midpoint, right. you're like, what am I doing with this script? Everything yeah. is terrible. Yeah, or I'll get to the end, and I'm like, wait, but I don't know who did it. That sucks. <laughs> like, I, I've literally written the script where I didn't know who did it. And it's like, oh, I really should have spent that time. But, you know, I've kind of gotten used to, like, that's how I am. And the mentalist is teaching me not to do that because we have to outline. And now when I have an outline that works, I mean, it takes me like two days to write a script because it's so, I mean, to me, that's like heaven. Like, you know, every scene that I had to write, like there's nothing hard about that. It's hard when you're just flailing around, figuring it out as you go. What mistakes do you see young or inexperienced writers make most often? I mean, I actually did a lot of reading of pilots when I was Bruno's assistant because I was sort of the, I was sort of the muscle between the agents and him. And I read every script that came through here for staffing submissions. So I've read, you know, hundreds of pilots. And, you know, it seems like a lot of people, they don't have an original idea. They want to just do something that's already been done, more or less. And that was in film school, too. A lot of people were there trying to, like, be the next Spielberg instead of just being themselves. Not to say that there isn't, like, pleasure to be gleaned from watching something that's sort of formulaic and reminiscent of many other things, but you have to do that really well and make it feel fresh. And I think a lot of people are just trying to like be in a, be part of a genre or like just copy something else that's already been done successfully. Well, let's talk about like being the guardian of the submission scripts for a moment. Are most of the scripts that you were reading specs of existing shows or were they original pilots? Their specs are out. Original pilots are in. Nobody wants to read. They know it used to be ten years. Apparently, ten years ago, you know that was the thing. You had to write a spec of like whatever the it spec was that year. But now everybody, all the showrunners, apparently want to read original material. So it's all. It was all the original pilots from working writers, and it was shocking. Some of them, I mean, some of them are really bad. <laughs> and it's like, when I was an assistant thing, I could do this. Like, they're just, and I mean, now that I'm, now I'm trying to write a pilot and I see how fucking hard it is. And I understand how you can be a 
good writer and not come up with a great pilot because there's a lot of factors at play. How many submissions are you getting in a typical year? I mean, The Mentalist was big after the first season. After that first season, roughly how many pilots did you read of people trying to get staffed? Well, it just depended. Um, like what we were hiring, like last two years, we weren't hiring anyone. But the first year, I think we we had we were looking for I can't remember. But if it's like depends if we were looking for one upper level guy or three. I mean, but like I read all the scripts for when before we had staffed anyone like for the after the pilot got picked up so that was the most because they were staffing the entire staff so i was reading low level mid high everyone so that was hundreds that year um after that it was less considering that they were all from working writers in the industry it was often depressing or inspiring depending on how you look at it how not great they were but you know it's an art to get a really good pilot you know, that's why, you know, only so many shows are made every year because it's a difficult task. Are you in a position where you are pitching studios, other ideas for features or for pilots? Have you done that yet? No, I'm not allowed to develop. My contract's a three-year contract. I'm not allowed to develop until next year. So technically, no. You're not even allowed to develop features with them this time? I probably could. I probably could do any of that at Warner Brothers, but not other studios. Um, but I'm not right now. I'm so I'm loving working in TV. And so I'm I'm not really thinking about features right now like I did besties and I would love to do something else again in the future. But right now I'm really focusing on the pilot and I'm, I mean, I'm writing a pilot that sure maybe it would get bought and something would happen with it. That'd be awesome. But my intention is really to have a really strong sample to get myself the next job after the mentalist. I want to uh, go back to besties for a moment. Obviously you wrote this movie, you directed the movie when you finished it when you see it now do you feel like you made the movie that you wanted to make do you feel like you made the movie that represented your original vision of what it was yeah i did (laughs) sweet yeah i mean i can i see all the mistakes (laughs) but really when it comes down to it i think it's you know i think it's actually it's better than the script you know it's better than my vision because the actors were great and they brought a lot to it and you you know at every stage you're improving it and refining your vision. I mean, obviously the editing and then the music. At every stage, you're sort of refining your vision and making it more of the theme. That Maybe you didn't even know exactly what the theme was when you started. And then by the end, you know, every choice you have to make has to support that vision and that theme. And so really by the end of the process, it's like it's better and more clarified than you even knew it was starting out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really psyched about it. I love the two actresses. I think they crushed it and did such a good job and brought so much more to it, you know, brought to it what needed to be there to make the script come to life. How did you handle your audition process? We had casting directors and they, you know, they gathered all the headshots and set up the in, the auditions. But we did it here at Warner Brothers um, in the mentalist writer's office. And yeah, we just plowed through it like, I don't know, maybe five weekends in a row. Had a bunch of callbacks with the two leads. Um, but the two leads that where I ended up being cast, it was like it was like nobody else even came close. You know, it's like they were the girls. That's what it was. I ask all the actors who come on about what sort of obstacles they encounter that no one really prepares you for in acting school. That when they graduate, they're often auditioning for like Cheetos commercials or Man right. Number Four. What are some of those obstacles that you've encountered as a writer? Well, I mean, I guess when I went to film school, I didn't know that it would take me, you know, really ten years. No eight years before I would get paid as a writer, you know? Is being a working writer what you expected it to be? I think it's better. And I don't mean to say, this is going to sound like superficial and it's not meant to, but like being paid to do something that you love to do and that you've wanted to do for a very long time, it's very gratifying. I mean, like the money is nice, but it's really nice 
to earn a living doing what you love to do. And it's and it's to me it's been like a dream come true and I and I have nothing bad to say about being, you know, a writer on a network television show. I, I really do love it. What television do you watch? What shows do you think have the best writing on TV? I am obsessed with Lena Dunham and Girls, um, just because that show speaks to me and I know probably 98% of the people don't relate to that show, but the people that do feel like very, I just feel like she speaks to me directly and I think she's super talented. So I love that show. Um, I finally started Breaking Bad after everybody else. You're, you're just in the first it. season now? No, no. I, I, well, I just got off maternity leave. I just had a baby three months ago. So when I was on maternity leave, I plowed through. Nice. I'm on season five now. And nice. I watched all of Orange is the New Black. So yeah, I'm almost done with Breaking Bad. So it's like, ah, oh, that's what the fuss is about. Yeah. <laughs> I ask the actors that come on about their worst audition experience. I guess for a writer, that's what's the worst thing you've ever written? Well, probably the dumbest thing I ever did was I told you that I wrote a whole script and I didn't know the ending. But the backstory of that was I met this producer who worked at Paramount and he was like a friend of a friend and he was, it was right after my thing had been at Sundance and I was had a little bit of, you know, like buzz. But I did not know the business at all. And he talked to me and he said, I want to do this. You should write this murder mystery thing. And that would be at my alley. So I, I just, I said, oh, great. I'll do that. And I went away for a week to Cape Cod to my parents had a house there in the winter. And I went and I just, without planning it at all, and I plowed through this first draft in a week. I had this document that I didn't literally at the end. I had like two alternate endings. So I didn't know who had done it. And it was such a mess. And I came back to LA and I showed it to this guy. You know, I was just new and I thought we were like, in it together and we were going to figure it out together and instead what I didn't realize was like no I had to like prove myself to him and you know don't show stuff that is not ready is the moral of that story um nothing has come to pass with that script and he was I think shocked that I was even showing it to him at that level you know so it was just a lesson to me like oh that was an audition it wasn't like we weren't buddies and it wasn't like we were going to figure this out together. I was supposed to go away and come back to something brilliant and ready and polished and not show him my draft that I wrote in a week. Yeah, and I think writers make that mistake with only having one thing, too. I think if you're in a position, even if someone likes what you do, I think their first question would be, well, what else you have? And right. have something else will get you yep. ahead of most people. Yep, totally. You've been listening to Rebecca Cutter. Rebecca is a writer on The Mentalist and is also the writer-director of the film Besties, which you can catch starting January 21st on Amazon and other places. Rebecca, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. Thank you so much, Ross.